So yeah. fresh and so clean, Neil. Oh, ain't nobody else like you. Just so fresh and clean. Sometimes I have to question why I do this with you guys. I just fucking do. I ask myself that constantly. <laughs> You are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. I'm not potting alone, though. With me is the notorious Josh Crocker. How is old Oklahoma treating you, Josh? Oklahoma is, is just COVID-tastic, let me tell you. That's awesome, man. Couldn't be better. Is, 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 it, is, it, is it getting COVID-heavy out there? No, I don't I don't think it's getting any worse. It's okay. just also not getting any better. Okay, well, that's not good. That's not good. Well, you know they want us <laughs> to cover hanging in there. They want us to cover they want us to cover up that kind of stuff and not talk about it no more. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Everything's fine, guys. Listen, it's not just me and you, Josh. Of course, we have Chicago's very own Adam Cahill in the building also. What's up, Adam? Oh, not a whole lot, Neil. How's your night going, man? <laughs> doing all right, doing all right. Doing all right. Dealing with COVID Josh over here already. His guy it's already bringing COVID up. <laughs> he didn't cough on you, did he? No, he didn't. Oh, thank God. Thankfully. That mic is probably heavy with COVID, though, that he's talking Yeah, it goes to school with me. It's oh, definitely yeah, covered in all kinds of things. That thing is contaminated. This, this guy. Listen, listen, guys. Week two is finished. And while many shy away from victory laps early in the season, here at Clock Dodgers, we, of course, embrace those. Because, you know, we like having fun and enjoying what we do here. Even if it's only week two. So things will change. We know. We know. You guys are so uppity. Oh, I'm talking about what you did bad. We don't care. We're not going to sit around here and be miserable. So do either one of you, Josh, let you go first. Do you have at least one guy that you want a victory lap really quick for week two? I, I think I'm just going to keep taking the Aaron Jones victory lap until someone knocks me off of it. And and also DJ Moore balanced back. So, so there's that. And if I can add a third... Uh, Nikhil Harry is happening. It's happening. Brace yourselves. Yeah, it's happening. I mean, he's getting the targets. I will say that I can't stand that he. I feels like he doesn't get anything after the catch. So you know what? Maybe maybe he is slot Mike Evans, but he's still <laughs> happening. He's still <laughs> happening. All right, he's happening. DJ Moore is a little bounce back. I take. I'll take that. Aaron Jones. I mean, can this guy be any more swagged out out here? This guy's killing the game, wearing crazy hats, glasses, just. Guys doing everything. The guys doing everything, Josh. So I can't, I can't knock you for that, man. Those are some good picks, Adam. While this guy is running laps out here, do you have anybody that you want a victory lap out here today for week two? I mean, I gotta take credit for the rest of the Patriots' offense that's crushing it. I mean, Julian Edelman had his career high for a single game in receiving yards this weekend. Wowzers! Like that's bonkers. I mean, between him and Cam, I mean. I've got them in so many leagues. They're just destroying. It's phenomenal. Cam was the ultimate late round quarterback pick. He's basically a running back and it's fantastic. And between the two of them, I mean, they're, they're going to put up a ton of points this year. So they're probably my main two victory laps. I mean, I can keep talking up Calvin Ridley scoring all the touchdowns, but you know, I did enough of that preseason. So yeah, I'm feeling good. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about Cam. Let's just for one second, like, 
Cam Newton is is number one in expected points at QB, and Edelman and Nikhil Harry are ten and eleven. So this whole like Cam's going to check it down and it's going to hurt his weapons is bullshit. It's bullshit. And Cam's not good, and Cam's old and injured, and he got paid nothing because he sucks. And why is he always dancing? Why is he so happy? That guy, man. Yeah. I think the yeah. play, his play the last two weeks has shown you why he's so damn happy, you haters. Come if on, the man. show could take a victory lap, I think it would be a Cam Newton victory lap. I think so. I think so. But one more victory lap that has to be had here is Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> oh, now, no. I know I like to wait when it's a not-so-obvious lock of the week for that segment, but I'm not going to do that here because why would I do that when it's Jarek McKinnon? I mean, come on. Come on, man. That's your like not so obvious lock of the past decade. Exactly. Like, exactly. And he finally might be relevant. Like he kind of was last week, but now you're really hoping that with both Mostert and Coleman out, that he finally actually is fantasy relevant. And uh, I don't know, Neil. This is gonna be a big telling week for you. You, yeah, I mean, talk about putting your eggs all in one basket. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you, you love that Jared McKinnon basket. I do. I must admit, man, I mean, listen, I always tell people your bench should be full of explosive playmakers, man. It should be full of guys. If it's your bench, if it's your flex, it's if you're sleepers and you're drafting or you're trading, get guys who can take three fucking targets or three carries and put 75 yards and a touchdown on the board or 50 yards and a touchdown on the board. Jerry McKinnon is like that kind of guy, man. So I'm always going to stick with those kind of guys. I'm always going to have faith in those kind of guys. And, uh, you know, last week, week two showed why. And like you said, there's some injuries, there's some things going on here. Hopefully he just continues to, you know, to grow, to grow that that role. They grow trust in him and his health and everything is good. I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm, I, this is why I say he was a perfect hold in Dynasty because it didn't it wasn't hurting you at all to just sit there and keep him on the IR and then the offseason just keep him there. And then or buying him super low in Dynasty when as soon as you heard that he was healthy and, and looking good in training camp and all this kind of stuff or in redraft, just drafted him super late. Like this was this this guy has crazy upside. The offense he's in has good upside. Now I know they got beat up crazy this week with injuries and everything else. So we'll see how the 49ers progress. I know 49ers fans are like super upset right now. Like it feels like their their world is caving in on them. But uh, yeah, we'll see, man. I'm excited about Jarek McKinnon. You know, I'm not going to stop talking about Jarek McKinnon. Let's get that Jarek McKinnon number up in this episode. Jarek McKinnon. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> I got a marker handy, people. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tallying. Yeah. Shout out to Josh, who, who started this little crazy contest, because um, I'm going to keep saying Jarek McKinnon. So hopefully someone put a really high number on there. Um, yeah, we have we have bets all over the place. Okay, Let me good. just tell you. I probably knocked a couple of people out already, which is beautiful as well. Five minutes yeah, into couple, the episode. Couple. Yeah, it's good. This is good. You don't know me very well if you put five on there, boys. Uh well, see, you you have this uh trait, I think, where we're not sure if you're going to lean into it or just completely not participate. <laughs> I'm so leaning into it, boys. That was that was the the decision the betters had to make. Yeah. It's being leaned into, all right being leaned into all right okay. listen one of the big storylines of week two the biggest storyline probably to anybody in week two no matter how good your team did no matter how bad your team did you may have been been affected by injuries this week we thought week one was bad we thought preseason offseason was bad all this stuff you know we knew guys were gonna get hurt but man acls were getting blown left and right 
torn pecs, hamstring injuries, literally everything you can think of. And it wasn't just happening to anybody, right? It was happening to big time players. So I don't know how you guys want to approach this. We can just list off names and hit quick bubbles on each of them here. Um, whoever wants to jump out on any of them. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to run down this list from ESPN.com. Yes, ESPN.com. Um, and the first one on the list is Nick Bosa, defensive player. They have him listed as the most, I guess, important, impactful injury. Um, do either of you have any big takes on that? Obviously, it's a defensive thing. Not too much effective fantasy, but do you guys care? I mean, it'll be interesting once an offense that isn't the Jets plays against them. So yeah. we'll see if the Giants can do anything, but that offense is terrible as well. So it'll be a little bit before we know. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see also how this affects the offense, right? I mean, the defense gets worse. It's going to affect everything. So I wish more... that blown ACL would keep him from voting. <laughs> this guy, look at Josh pulling out the political gang <laughs> shots on this episode. Jeez, jeez, you're going to get canceled 10 minutes into the episode, bro. If I start getting emails to get Josh off the show, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna have to, I've never been. I've never gotten we're complaints. Gonna, we're gonna kick Josh off the show. If you get emails, we have to. Right? Yeah, I mean, That's we get emails. You know, we did actually. We also got group chat messages about Adam last week and opportunities oh, that we squandered. Oh no. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, we're we're getting a lot of heat out here these days. Josh is bringing it on us right now with the political stuff. Um. All right. What the big one? Of the, I, I would assume the biggest injury that everyone cares about is Saquon Barkley. Guy's done, man. Torn ACL, done for the year. A lot of people drafted him very early, obviously. A lot of teams were built around this guy. Adam, what do these people do now? What do the Barkley owners do now? Hope somebody on your bench goes off. I mean, ultimately, if you're trying to find the replacement for Saquon, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, But, yeah, I mean – if you lose someone who you pick in the first round, basically always they're irreplaceable. But that's why you have to always be focusing throughout your draft on hitting on players. And this year, more than ever, it's going to be about churning the waiver wire. I mean, if this is how many injuries we've seen this early on, like it, they're going to keep coming. And if you can be on top of the waiver wire and getting guys as they come up, I mean, touches are going to be super important. So that's that's what you got to focus on if you you know lose a guy like Barkley. Yeah, and then Josh, we got other guys on the team who now how how heavy Josh? I'm curious when a Barkley goes out, how much do you care about how 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 much do you get down on the other guys? Daniel Jones, you know the receivers, Slayton, and all these guys, Evan Ingram. Like, does it dramatically affect it for you, or are you like you know what these guys are gonna get opportunities, different kind of opportunities, but they're gonna be there, they're gonna figure this out, kind of put a patch on this you know, hole in the wall. Like how, how do you get about the supporting guys who are around that player? I, that, that's a good question. With a guy like Saquon, I feel like he probably affects the overall offense more than most running backs do. You know, it's probably, it's probably him, Kamara, CMC, and that might be it. As far as guys that I think really actually contribute to a rising tide. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about Slayton at all. Uh, they're in the in the Giants offense specifically. Uh, Sterling Sharp is going to miss some time, and so we've kind of got to figure that out. But who? <laughs> <laughs> I just think you went in a time machine for a second. I did. I went. <laughs> Horse face from the Broncos. <laughs> oh my god! Now I can't think of his name. It's Sterling Shepard. You're all right, bud. Shepard. Shepard. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I, I I had that in my notes, and I'm not sure exactly which way the, the Giants, I guess it's going to be Golden Tate, will be the beneficiary. But I, I think they're going to be okay without without Saquon. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Slayton believer, so I'll continue to believe. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It sucks for Barkley. It sucks for his career right now. It sucks for where he's at. It sucks for everybody playing along. And it's just one of those things, man. This happens every year. You know, somebody goes down that's super, you know, important and impactful and just, yeah, you got to adjust, got to stay flexible. This is why you have to draft well, do waivers well, trade well. That's where it comes into play. Um, Adam, Christian McCaffrey, man, high ankle sprain. Luckily, he's not out for the year. This, you know, is I don't, I don't think it's been confirmed exactly how long, um, but we're hoping, obviously, it's, you know, the better end of things. But how I know you're a big Caffrey guy. You got Caffrey and a lot of McCaffrey in a lot of places. You don't have his backup who you clearly didn't believe in. So what do you do now, man? I mean, this is why you draft for depth. I mean, ultimately, you know, lucky for us, McCaffrey thinks he's Wolverine. So the 46 week timetable that's been put <laughs> on it might be three weeks. Um, we'll see. But, you know, you just have to be happy that he's not going to be out for your fantasy playoffs and ultimately try and patch stuff together be happy right now you're not in bye weeks yet because it's going to get real ugly come bye weeks so you've only got you know i think a week before bye week start up so enjoy it while it lasts but yeah i mean you've got to try and fill holes as you can as far as their backup situation goes i mean i guess it's mike davis right that's that's what everybody keeps trying to tell me so (laughs) I don't. I really don't know if you're going to want a backup running back on this Carolina Panthers offense. I just, I don't believe in them. I mean, that's that's simple. But at the end of the day, fantasy football is all about touches. So yeah, you probably want those touches, I guess, if you think that's who they're going to go to. But I think that you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Jeremy Chin gets eight touches and Curtis Samuel gets you know a handful of carries. So you know, at the end of the day. I don't think any of those guys are really going to be that fantasy relevant. Yeah, Josh, I've seen you believe in guys who shouldn't be relevant, like Duke Johnson, for like a long time. Um, <laughs> You're not. That's that's Josh's whole brand. You don't get to Jared McKinnon if I don't get to Duke Johnson. So please tell me you believe in Mike Davis and and the significant workload that he could pick up here. Well, Duke, not Duke. See, you got me. You got me thinking about my boy Duke now, and now I'm just in a sad, sad place. But. Mike Davis got some passing work, and I, uh, I I like that man. I'm I'm hopeful for Mike Davis. I think that if he's available in your league and you've got the fab, like you just blow it. You just blow it on Mike Davis because most of the time your fab is not worth a whole lot. And this season might be different and special. And I don't hate that strategy either. But I'm I'm. I'm throwing it all at Mike Davis. Yeah, we should we should have got some COVID funds, man. We should have got some extra bid money, man, because uh, things is getting so crazy. I just gotta make sure I understand, Josh. So you're going all in on a guy because he got eight receptions. I get I get it, but it, it literally, at best, he's gonna get next six weeks, and you you want to bid all your money on. Yeah, I think that that's like that's what you hope to get from Fab is six weeks of starting RB work. I guess I just I, first of all, I think it's really questionable what to expect of him. I mean, that you know, when you see a guy get that many receptions in a game, you've got to think, you know, oh man, PPR sky's the limit. But 
at the end of the day, he, he saw one carry, so we don't know how much of a workload he can take as a running back in tandem with that. And then if they're rushing him, are they going to utilize him the same way in the passing game? So I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's kind of wild to go all in on somebody like that. But, you know, he's floated around the league. I mean, I just I, I don't I don't see it. I'll say this. He, he played the majority of the snaps when McCaffrey went out. Again, obviously, no one was expecting him to go out, but it is what it is. He, he got the majority of them. He did get a lot of receptions, which, you know, in any other any other player who's a starter or anything who got eight receptions, we wouldn't ignore it. And all through camp, man, like he held that spot like through offseason, everything like no one else like took that job from him or pushed him out of the way. Like it, it shouldn't have been hard if he's not that great or if they didn't believe in him. You know what I mean, so it just feels like I don't know. I feel like it says something for the Panthers to keep that as the guy behind McCaffrey like. They could have put anybody back there, like someone, even if you could feel more of a McCaffrey style of play or whatever you want to say. But I just feel like at this point, like they got a guy that they trust. You know what I mean? I feel like that that counts for something right now. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like you said, you're talking about whole, you know, fab and all this kind of stuff, whether that's warranted or not. Obviously, that's going to be up to the, you know, the the, the, the person playing here. But as far as like his value, I feel like he, he has value. That's probably significant while McCaffrey's out. Um, so I feel good about it. Don't forget, Adam. I got him. If you want to trade, man, just hit me up. Hit that lineup, man. Don't be trying to put his stock I mean, down. I'll, I'll be good. If he has eight receptions next week, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely eat crow. But yeah. I just, I don't know. Right. Granted, they, right. they, they play the Chargers next week. So it's a matchup of the two overrated offenses. So somebody's bound to come out ahead. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be the Panthers against that defense. So. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Me, me, I, I knew, I knew I would get Josh on my side. I mean, the guy like Duke Johnson for like ten years. So it was an easy, it was an easy guy to pull on my side. Uh, the next significant injury was Drew Locke. Drew Locke, another uh, quarterback here. We've been mostly talking about running backs, but quarterback down. Who a, a quarterback in an offense with a lot of weapons that we like, but it's important to mention that also his wide receiver Cortland Sutton is out for the season now. So. Another torn ACL. So this offense just got a hard hit, right? They lost their quarterback for I don't even know how many weeks. I know it's not for the season, right? But, you know, that is it's a decent amount of time. And then they lose their top wide receiver for the season. This is this is a crazy situation. The, the, you know, the backup came in, didn't play bad, didn't play like, I mean, it could have been way worse, I guess. They just signed your boy Bortles, um, which I don't even, I didn't want to see that, but it happened. Um this is a bad situation for people invested in the Broncos offense this year, which some people were really excited about. So how do you guys, I'll, I'll let Josh go first. How, how do you, I'm curious how you feel this affects the running backs in, in Denver. Do you feel like this increases their value now because they're the best options or that, you know, the quarterbacks are going to lean on them or do you feel like this hurts them because teams now know they got nothing else to go for? I, I think that it hurts them because I think that running backs lean on the passing game to put them in the red zone to get the high value touches. Um, having said that, I'm putting in claims on Royce Freeman everywhere, as well as <laughs> AJ Hamler, where I can get him and, you know, so on and so forth. Like where I can pick these guys up for fab. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about that. But I, I do, I, I think that. Sutton and Locke being out probably makes the Broncos a shit show. Yeah, a shit show is probably the best way to put it. I mean, ultimately, 
for the time that Drew Locke is out, I don't really know if you can start Broncos. Like, I just – I don't see how this offense is going to produce fantasy points in any sort of reliable nature. So, for me, I mean, while Drew Locke's out, I'm out. And once Drew Locke's back, I mean, I'll be interested to see what he does without Cortland Sutton. I mean, that's a huge hit. I mean, he already had to take the loss of Philip Lindsay, who's a dynamic player for that offense. So, for me, like, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how Drew Locke can do. But he looked good to start the year. So, if he can come back and, you know, get healthy and finish the season, they might have some fantasy value down the stretch. But as of now, I'm basically hands off. All right. So, your hands off. Josh thinks it's a shit show. There's actually a couple of players there I'm still not mad at having later in this year or during this during this downtime. So I'll bring up one of them later, though. Um, let's knock out a couple more of these injury things before we get into the rest of the show because we got a lot to do here. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, another ankle sprain. How concerned are we, boys? I mean, that off. I mean, that whole team. Like, yeah. what? What is in the water for San Francisco? It's just. Man, got back it's quick. bad. <laughs> quick. Except- I mean, you know, your best defensive player, your quarterback, your starting running back, your number two running back, like your, your number one wide receiver before the season even starts, your tight end, your, your elite tight end. Like, literally, <laughs> they're in every elite playmaker on that offense is injured. It's. It's wild. Yeah, and I actually I didn't mention Raheem because they have Jerick McKinnon, so like I don't care, right? Yeah, I mean, thank the <laughs> Lord. You got Jerick McKinnon, Josh. That's two. Keep tallying them, boy. I got it. I'm all on right, it. Man. All right. I'm on it. All right. So all right. So 49ers shit show. The last, I think the last one I really want. Devontae Adams got a little banged up. Hamstring. They haven't really said it whether he's gonna even miss time for that. Um so I don't think that's too crazy. And then Tyrod Taylor was hurt. This was a lot of controversy because uh, hey, coach talking about he's not letting the rookie play if Taylor's healthy. A lot of people don't like this. Adam, what camp are you in in regards to Tyrod Taylor playing or not playing over the rookie at this point? I mean, it's just I, – I don't know. It seems silly to me. I mean, if if you look at what happened last week with Tyrod out – they almost beat the defending Super Bowl champions. Like, from an NFL perspective, you got to look at that and be like, oh, this kid can stand it. Like, obviously, Casey's not known for having, like, this vaunted defense, but it's still an Andy Reid defense. Like, they're still, you know, a well-coached team and good enough to win a Super Bowl. So it's like, if he was able to, in his NFL debut – play well against what many would think is the best team in the NFL. Like how, how can you turn back to Tyrod? It's just, it's all this just incumbent nonsense, but I mean, Justin Herbert's going to have a great career. That that's the big takeaway here. So for me, it's just, you just have to, you know, hope that that's enough. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. It's just, uh, I think you just keep the rookie in. Just let him play, man, at this point. But, I mean, like, the coach was adamant on it, man. Like, he was like, hey, listen, the guy's a backup for a reason. And so anyone who's banking on the rookie playing at this point while Taylor's healthy, Tyrod's healthy, it's just not going to happen. So, like, don't get too excited about it. 
Um, the other two guys I want to mention before we move on is Will Fuller and Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell obviously is out for an indefinite amount of time because of his knee. Um, they didn't say how long yet either. They, they He dodged the whole ACL thing, but still, um, you know, he's going to be out for a while, which he was a lot of people's baby after the week one. People were getting excited about Paris Campbell, um, and rightfully so. But uh, he's going to be out for a while, and then Will Fuller, your boy, Adam. He was my boy, but I had a bail on him this year when Hopkins left the <laughs> You know, wait, what now? Yeah, I, now? I, I I bailed on him. I'm not gonna lie. I oh, bailed. You bailed on him. Not not like a hundred percent. Like I still wanted the guy to do well, but oh, in some okay. dynasty leagues, I, I moved him. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not concerned. Are you concerned about this one or not too much? So. I mean, it's a Will Fuller a injury. Little, like <laughs> it, it's just this is what happens every. I mean, it's just Will Fuller one on one guys. You know. He has a game and everybody gets excited and then, oh, he got hurt again. Like it just, I don't like the injury prone label, but there's some guys where it's just, it, it's undeniable. <laughs> yep. And this is why you should have drafted Cobb, right, Josh? Man, I, mean, I, I drafted a lot of uh, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Wait a second, guys. Is, isn't there like another wide receiver? on that team who uh, I might have been touting I'm and ignoring everybody him. told me he was terrible yeah I'm ignoring Wait, him. what I'm ignoring him who's that who's that guy uh, yeah. Brandon Cooks yeah 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 he's gonna be uh he's, he's gonna be pretty reliable uh for any time that Wolf Fuller misses or is hobbled uh, I uh definitely liking how that's working out Josh tell him who really matters Randall Cobb I, I want it to be Randall Cobb, but why hasn't <laughs> Randall Cobb done it in the first two weeks? Like I, I'm the I'm letting the flame go out. All right, and All right. and also I want to say this: like the coach, I think it's Anthony Lynn in yes, L.A. Not letting not letting Herbert play is is total bullshit. Like this is just how coaches perpetuate the illusion that they matter. By 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 holding back guys that are ready to play because they don't know my books yet, so I can't let them go out and win games. Like it's just Herbert should be playing. I feel you, man. We all agree with you. We all agree with you, man. It's Lynn's gotta Lynn's gotta do what Lynn's gotta do, man. <laughs> well, it is what it is, man. Um, all right, that that covers it for the injuries. We took that, that was a while of injuries, and there was just a lot of big important injuries, so we had to do it. Um, one big signing we want to mention really quick: Devonta Freeman. I don't know how much you guys care about this. I actually drafted Devonta Freeman in some leagues, uh, Scott Fishbowl most notably, um, for a moment like this, for him to sign somewhere um, and hopefully be relevant. But a lot of people don't feel like Devonta Freeman is relevant in this backfield. So, um, Adam, what is your take on Devonta Freeman really fast in the Giants backfield? Uh, do we want to just jump into the first trust issues? Because, I mean, that that's really – it's all included, yeah, right? let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Trust issues, any running back in the Giants' backfield. Adam. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I think that Devonta Freeman definitely profiles as potentially the back to own in that backfield. I mean, he has the most history of being a three-down workhorse, I mean – you can't really say that about Deion Lewis, uh, but Deion Lewis, I think, is entrenched in the offense as a pass catcher already. So you have Devonta Freeman kind of coming into a situation where I don't think he's going to get enough snaps. Truly, I don't think you can trust anyone in this backfield, but Devonta probably has the biggest chance to have a you know three-down workload, and I think 
Deion Lewis probably has the highest floor of any other running backs. Yeah, I'm not listening to this Wayne Gallman stuff. Josh, well, what do you think about that? I'm putting in like super cheap bids. He's available everywhere, so I I want to have him just for a like a war of attrition type of situation where everybody else gets hurt. But I think Devonta Freeman is the best answer. If I could just pick one for the same price, it would definitely be Devonta yeah. Freeman. And none of us really trust a running back in this backfield, even Devonta Freeman. Is that correct? I mean, I want to say I trust Deion Lewis to continually be targeted, but I don't really think that that's like – there's nobody star-worthy, even in PPR. So, like, yeah, okay, it's pretty relevant. Okay. All right, cool. Um, the next trust issue, first round running backs. Through two weeks, Derrick Henry is the RB25. Joe Mixon is RB34. Both still every week starters the rest of the way. Trust or trust issues. Josh. I trust Derrick Henry a whole lot more than I trust Joe Mixon. I mean, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is getting the volume at the least. Uh, Joe Mixon, unless I'm mistaken, He's outside of the top 24 in in expected points for running back. So, like, it, it's looking bad. Even though Joe Burrow is is looking good, I, I don't know. Joe Mixon might just stink. I'm happy to say I have zero Joe Mixon shares. I didn't buy the hype when everyone got excited because, as, oh, you, as you know, listen, I missed him. <laughs> as you know, many people love Joe Mixon coming into this season. I mean, they had their reasons, but I was like, listen, I'm not buying it. Just not, it's not happening. So I didn't buy any. I know, Adam, did you buy any this year? I don't really own Joe Mixon okay. anywhere, but it's funny because for this question, like, I, I keep trusting both these guys. I mean, two weeks is a pretty small sample size, in my opinion. And from what I'm seeing from the Bengals offense, like, it's a positive that Joe Burrow can conduct the offense this well. Right. It, it's just going to be simple touchdown regression that pushes them to have rushing touchdowns over the three passing touchdowns they've had so far. So, I mean, if you look at last week, for instance, Joe Mixon had 86 total yards with four receptions. If he scores a touchdown, we're not having this conversation. So for me, it's really just touchdown variance. And I think that's going to fall back in his direction. And as that offense gets better, as Burrow gets more used to that offense, I mean, guys, this is what he's doing in his second week in the league when he had no preseason and a ridiculous shortened training camp. Like, this kid is the real deal. It's amazing to watch. I mean, the fact they let him throw the ball 61 times this week, that's just something else. But, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Burrow is going to lift up this offense, and Joe Mixon is going to be a benefactory of that eventually. And as far as Derrick Henry is concerned, I mean, I don't – the offense there is successful not utilizing him in, like, this dynamic way, but he's still getting a ton of touches. So, really, I mean, he's just struggling. And you got to wonder, from what we've seen in the past, if, like, he just – he gets better as the year goes on as well as defenses get, you know, worse. So – He's gonna he's gonna smash eventually. I mean, that's just the Derrick Henry story. But for right now, I think you know he he's one of the guys that you're gonna you're gonna start every week. But I wouldn't be shocked if you're disappointed one or two more times over the next five weeks. Yeah, I'll say that I'll say this about these two backs, and I don't know if it makes sense. But if I have them, I wouldn't trade them. But if I don't have them, I wouldn't trade for them necessarily. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's where I'm but at. I with think them. really the question is. Are you, benching these guys yeah i would because i think them. that that's going to be the hardest decision and i don't really know that i can 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't okay. bench him. So, like, let me just correct myself. Joe Mixon was in there. He's at 12. But ahead of him, we have Josh Kelly. If you have Josh Kelly, are you sitting Joe Mixon? No way in hell. <laughs> I, I don't just, know, man. Like, it's it's debatable, <laughs> I think. I don't think so. I mean, production-wise so far, it's debatable. But just off of, you know, what logically makes sense, it doesn't. But... You know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do Josh Kelly right now over Mixon in my lineup. I would still hold out hope that Mixon is gonna, you know, come around as this offense continues. You know, Burrow continues to do better here. Um, but it definitely is one of those weird situations where like these guys that people draft later on waivers or whatever league, kind of league you're in are out producing these guys who people drafted in the first round. It's just weird, and you just have to, you know, do you take those gambles and those risks and start. You know, a Josh Kelly. What about a guy like James Robinson? Like, do you start him over Joe Mixon? He's getting a ton of touches. Yeah. I mean, James Robinson is getting a ton of work, but I just, I don't know how you do it. (laughs) You got to take these shots, right, Josh? I I think I still want Mixon over Robinson, but the, the company that Mixon is in is, you know, it's Nick Chubb, it's Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt. Chris Carson, like it's it's not where we thought he would be at the yeah. beginning of the year. Still so sorry, I still. I think his stock is going down, and I don't I don't know I don't know if Joe Burrow pulls his stock up. I think I want off of Joe Mixon's ride. Yeah, I can't I can't say that this soon, but I I know what you're saying. If it keeps heading down this path, you're not excited about it anymore. And I hear you, but I just I think I think we can't overreact to the two weeks here. I think it's. I think it'd be too crazy to say like dump them right now, trade them right now. Like it might be too soon. But hey, to each their own. Some people might get a great deal for Joe Mixon. Who knows? Um, let's move on. Late round quarterbacks through two weeks: Gardner Minshew, Ryan Tannehill, and Joe Burrow. All are top twelve quarterbacks. At least one will finish as a top ten quarterback at the end of the season. Trust or trust issues with this, Josh? Joe Burrow, I think will, and. God, who were the other two that you said? Gardner Minshew and Ryan Tannehill. I, I don't think that either one of them finished his top ten. Why? Because of talent, weapons, team, offense, what? Well, yeah, Minshew, Minshew doesn't have a lot of help. D, DJ Chark is, is his really primary wide receiver, and Chark is off to a slow start, I think it's fair to say. So, like, who's who's helping Minshew get there? Uh, I just the only the only guy that I think has a chance of doing it is Joe Burrow, from what I've seen so far, and that's that's even that's even with AJ Green just being absolutely dust. I, <laughs> disrespectful! You're disrespectful, Adam. The guy had 13 targets, and I don't think he put up more yards than Drew Sample did. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listen. he's done. My thing is this, Adam, you put this on here, right? I mean, these guys are all top 12 right now. What, what is Josh missing here, man? Is there a chance that one of these guys are are top 10 or or are you with him? Joe Burrow or bust here? No, I think this is an interesting question. So all are top 12 currently all this upcoming week could finish top 10. They all have fantastic matchups. Joe Burrow gets the Eagles who have been struggling and injured you know, Gardner Minshew gets the Dolphins, who aren't great. And 
Ryan Tannehill might have the best matchup against the Vikings. So these guys all just even this upcoming week feel like must start guys. As far as how they're going to end the season, I want to say Joe Burrow. I really do. Um, I mean, as tough as it is for a rookie quarterback, from what he's shown through the first two weeks, he's he's the farthest thing from a rookie in you know the grand scheme of things. I mean, he has a elite understanding of this offense already, it seems like. So I think he definitely has a shot at it. Gardner and Ryan Tannehill, though, they've played better than him so far. So for me, I mean, I'm probably with Josh. I think Burrow probably has the best chance of finishing top 10. But I think all these guys end up finishing top 15. Yeah, there's definitely a real possibility there. I mean, right now in the top 10 is Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Gardner Minshew, and Ryan Tannehill. So guys that I didn't name are guys like Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, you know, Tom Brady, if you feel like he can get there, Jared Goff. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> like, these are guys who aren't in the top 10 right now. So, like, do you are, are you going to bet that Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson are not going to replace these guys by end of season? Like, I won't put money on that. So, um, yeah, I'm not putting any of these guys in the top 10 um, finishing the season. So, uh, I definitely have trust issues with it. I, can't I think it's safe to say, though, that Unless things change very, very much, very soon, people who drafted Mahomes and Jackson as early as they had to be drafted are going to be disappointed. Like that was a bad move. Yeah, I mean, two weeks is a pretty small sample size, but I think I can see that more potentially with Mahomes than Jackson, uh, even though Mahomes is currently outscoring Jackson, only if they do you know, rely on CEH more than they've relied on the running game in the past. But I think, I, I don't know. I think both those guys, I, everybody should regret where they were being drafted because we know that late round quarterback is a elite strategy. And if you invested in guys like Cam Newton or Josh Allen, you're feeling fantastic. Yeah. Or, or even Gardner Minshew or Ryan Tannehill or Joe Burrow, all guys that we've talked about. So they're all scoring right around Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson through the first two weeks. So we'll see how much that holds up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is why you don't draft quarterbacks early. It's just not worth it. hundred percent. All right. Last one we have for you for trust issues. Wide receiver twos on their own team through two weeks, Calvin Ridley, Robbie Anderson, and Corey Davis lead their team in fancy points. At least one will finish atop their team in fancy points at wide receiver trust or trust issues, Josh. Uh, if I had to pick one, it's going to be Calvin Ridley, but that's even that's gross. So do you? Tr- I mean, so do you trust that one of those three will finish atop their team? No, 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 I don't. I, I would rather bet on Julio, DJ Moore, and uh, I'm sorry, the third name gets away from me. Oh, <laughs> Corey oh. Davis or AJ Brown? Uh, well, it's Corey Davis, so it's AJ yeah. Brown. Oh, AJ Brown. Ugh. No, no. <laughs> Corey Davis, I would like to be, you know, cheering for Corey Davis, but it should have happened by now, folks. Like, it's it's the A.J. Brown show. I don't know, man. I, I, I will mention, since we're talking about Corey Davis right now, um, Justin, who sent in the question last week, Justin Stevens, um, about Corey Davis and uh, Adam, you know, crapped all over it. Um, he mm-hmm. said that he has another question for this show, specifically for Adam. 
And he said, in light of the touchdown reception of week two and the big week one game, is there any chance that we get a coveted fourth year breakout of Corey Davis? And he said, yes, I am trolling him until we have a bad game. Still denying this. (laughs) (laughs) It, It is wild to me. I mean, you know. To be fair, though, I also was somebody who coming into this year, it's, as much as I saw the potential for Janu, I definitely didn't think that, you know, he was going to be a guy who'd be a top three tight end through two weeks. So the, there's definitely, you know, some dynamics to that offense that I didn't see coming. I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw them, you know, not having a ton of success with Henry. So there, there's a lot of things happening, but it's a real small sample size. I'm still not. I mean, obviously, at this point, if you have Corey Davis, you're probably starting him. Enjoy while it lasts. I, I just, I don't have faith that it's going to last long. All right, there you have it, Justin. You still, you still uh, maintaining the stubborn. <laughs> He's still being stubborn about this. I will say that I do trust Calvin Ridley actually being atop his team's fantasy points at the end of the season. Um, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I trust it. I totally trust it. I have no issue saying I trust that. Call me crazy. But I trust it. Guys, no, I think Calvin Ridley is the one that like I can definitely get on board with. I mean, already, you know, he's way ahead. So that that definitely helps. But the one that's interesting to me here is Robbie Anderson. I mean, <laughs> what is it with Adam Gase? He just he zaps players superpowers and then as soon as they leave him, they gain their superpowers back and they just are phenomenal. I mean Obviously, DJ Moore is a hell of a receiver to try and overcome, but Robbie Anderson, man, it, I don't know if he's just built for that offense. I mean, obviously, I don't really trust that offense overall regardless, but it's it's been impressive to see what he's done through two weeks. I don't think that I'd bet on him to outscore DJ Moore the rest of the way, but I think that, that they're going to be way closer than anyone ever expected. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he's he's a big play guy, man, like, He's getting a ton of targets, so it's not even about the big plays at this point. But like he does get the big plays, and when he does stuff with the ball, like some most guys can't do, he makes big plays happen. And when you're giving a guy ten damn targets in a game that has that ability, like the chances are they go up a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean for him to make that big play? So um, yeah, he he's hard not to like right now, man. And and people, you know, were on it. You know he, you know his that that was his college coach too, by the way. Um, so like he knew what he was getting when he draft when he signed him stuff. So. Um, we'll see, man. We'll see if it continues. I, I don't see why it would stop, but I know it's killing a guy like Josh over here, DJ Moore guy. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it continues to roll. Um, let's jump over to the not so obvious lock of the week. Uh, Jarek McKinnon reminder for everybody here. Um, yeah, I picked him last week and so I won. And so now Josh and me both have championships through two weeks and Adam doesn't, I mean, someone had to not be a winner at this point, Adam. So don't take it too bad, you know? Don't take it too hard at this point. Like, it's all right. Don't feel too bad yet. As this continued and you don't stack a W up, then you're going to have to concern yourself with this. But for those who don't know, we are just going to give you guys each one not so obvious lock of the week. These are guys that we feel aren't obvious very clearly. It's not being told to on every single website to play this guy. These are more than likely flex guys at best, you know, and it plays out how it plays out. Josh won week one, I week one, week two. So I'm going to start this week. So you guys, I don't even have to worry about you stealing my guy because no one would even say this guy here probably, especially after the way you guys just shitted on his team earlier who's dealing with a bunch of injuries. My guy is KJ Hamler. Rookie, wide receiver for the Broncos. We mentioned earlier, 
Sutton is done for the season. Sutton is done for the season, Adam. Listen, he's done for the season. Mm-hmm. I already had a thing for Hamler. He's on a bunch of my teams already. So I already felt good about Hamler's prospects. But this injury, of course, makes it much easier for me to believe an immediate impact, make an immediate adjustment. Now you're going to say they have a bad quarterback. It's not Drew Locke. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, they like him. They were targeting him. I believe in what coaches say, too. I don't care about the coach speak stuff that you guys run and hide from. They like him. They're excited about him. And he he's good. He's an explosive playmaker, man. I want guys who get targets, who the team gives the opportunity to make explosive plays. He has game-breaking speed, man. So give me this guy all day long. I'll put him in my slot this week for the flex with no problem. I'm not even scared about it. I'm not worried about it. And I believe in him from a not so obvious lock of the week. Now, yeah, it's, you know, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. It's almost like somebody else already was gonna pick him. That that was good, man. Oh, uh, I'll just yeah, no, I'll add some stuff here because uh, yeah, I um, I was also on Hamler. The biggest thing to me is the relationship with Jeff Driscoll playing with the twos, basically throughout camp. I mean. Hamler had flashes where he was with the ones, then he was injured. So they like what this kid can do. They're in that stage now where they're probably just going to be looking to see what they have on that offense. So, yeah, I like that pick a lot. But since you stole mine, uh, I I did have a backup, and I'm not going to look for a third if Josh is thinking of stealing this one. (laughs) So uh, my pick this week's Drew Sample. Uh, From what we've seen from Joe Burrow through the first two weeks, he really likes to utilize the tight end position. And Drew Sample out-targeted C.J. Uzama last week. And it's a deep pick, but they're going up against the Eagles. Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns against them last week. It seems like the Eagles are the new tight end sieve. So for me, it it was kind of a toss-up to really decide between Sample and Uzama. But I just think from just a pure targets perspective that I like Sample I think either of those guys are worthy of like a deep flex or, you know, a tight end streaming start this week. But, uh, but for me, I'm going to, I'm going to put my money behind sample. So he'll probably score like four fantasy points. <laughs> nah, I mean, hey, you're He's going to get 12 targets on the, on his way to those four fantasy points though. I sure hope he pulls an AJ green. <laughs> hey, that's a not so obvious lock of the week. And let this be known for us going forward. Hey, if you don't win, man, if you don't win the week before, you don't get to go first. And therefore, your your pick is, is in danger of being chosen before you. So some more extra motivation to, you know, it's maybe fair. maybe win a week, Adam, you know? Just, it's fair. It's fair. Just don't yeah, I'll, get there. I'll get there eventually, guys. Eventually. Oh, not with Drew Sample, but you'll get there eventually. Um, I mean, one of these weeks. One of these weeks. At, uh, Josh, who do you got, man? Okay, so- Mine is not as deep. It's not as deep, but I feel like it is a choice that fantasy fantasy managers like myself have to make. And if you have CD Lamb on a roster, like fire him up, fire him up, put him in your flex. You're starting CD Lamb the rest of the way. I think I, I'm very oh, encouraged by what the I guy saw. Who went six for 106? <laughs> Man. <laughs> This okay. guy's got okay. any other brain busters for us? This guy, listen, man. Josh, this guy, do this, you understand what the segment is? This is I don't a, know what not so obvious right. means. When I started Greg Olson, you guys criticized <laughs> me. And you won! 
That's the brilliance of the not-so-obvious lock of the week. You're supposed to say something that we ridicule on the podcast, and then you come back the next week and you laugh in our faces like Neil has done the whole podcast with Jared McKinnon. That counts. Put that down on the board for me. He said Jared right, McKinnon. That if, counts. I, if I have to go just a little bit deeper, I'm going Josh Kelly. I like it. That's... uh. That's not super deep, but we'll take it. <laughs> We're going to start taking points off of Josh for these half-ass picks. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all relative because, you know, when you when you make picks like that, they've got to score more points. I yeah, mean, I understand you that. Know, I understand. Joshua Kelly put up 12 PPR points, 13 PPR points last week. So, I mean, when you're saying Joshua Kelly, I'm, I'm hearing like 16-plus PPR points. So all right, how about this? How about this? When Josh, when Josh plays not-so-obvious lock of the week – Let's put this. Let's put this out there for people to list that are listening. If you play in one league and it's an ESPN league and it's a ten team league, <laughs> Josh is giving you your not so obvious lock of the week. If you play in ten leagues a season and they have like fourteen teams and it's really deep and all that kind of stuff, me and Adam are giving you your plays. Um, so Adam, Josh is you know his, we're he's, helping everybody. Yeah, actually. that's a good way to think about. Yeah, it. we're spreading the audience out here, man. We're giving everybody a shake here. You know what I'm saying? So we appreciate it, Josh. We appreciate it. All right. So if you drafted CeeDee Lamb, you probably have been holding on, you know, through through one very tough week, waiting for the chance to start him, and it's here. All right. All right. But, you know, Joshua Kelly, CeeDee Lamb, you can have them both, man. You know, you're in this 10-team ESPN league. It doesn't matter. Um, you can have them both. Drew Sample, KJ Hamler, those are our picks. Josh can have two if he wants to handicap this thing. Give him a chance. Um, all right. Let's move over to... Can he do that again? You guys don't even see this on your on your nose because I didn't give it to you. That's cool. I'm so uh, glad you still included this though. This <laughs> is this is my favorite segment. All right, cool. That's awesome. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. All right. So the first one, James Robinson, top ten scoring running back. Can he do it again, Adam? I'm gonna say yes this week. I, I mean, they they've got a good matchup against the Dolphins. That offense is looking good. I mean, they seem like they're rolling, and they're using Robinson as a workhorse. I mean, the amount of touches he's seen through the first two weeks, it's it's shocking. And I, I love that, I mean, I didn't draft much towards the very end, but I got in a lot of DraftKings best ball drafts in, like, the last two weeks, and he was a last-round pick in so many of those drafts for me. And during this whole running back apocalypse, he's going to be one of those guys that people just – smash on um so i think that this is a great week for him and in seasonal leagues i feel like yeah you, you got to be starting him all right so so adam believes he could do it again josh do you see a top 10 scoring running back week in james robinson again no no i don't all right he's it, he's coming back down to earth oh right. crashing back down crashing yeah. he's he's 15th in opportunities you know 32nd in targets 26th in expected points per game like he, he's coming back down. All right. So it's a top 10 score and running back week for James Robinson. Doesn't get you excited, Josh. Let me ask you the next one then. Stephon Diggs and John Brown, both top 15 score and wide receivers. Can they Ooh. do it again? Top 15. Top 15 is tough, man. I wish you would say top 24. That's too easy. Would, yeah. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go top 15, both of them. They're going to do it. Nice. Adam, what do you think here, man? Oh, man, I, I think that I forgot to take a victory lap for John Brown. He was my most owned best ball wide receiver, and he is crushing it, and I love it. 
Uh, Cole Beasley was my number two. Not as crushing it, but but really for his ADP, also crushing it. So, yeah, Buffalo's been fantastic so far. But can both those guys finish top 15? I mean, who are they playing this week? They're playing the Rams. The, God, that game could shoot out. Yeah, the upside's there. I, I'd say I wouldn't – yeah, no, I'm, like, with Josh on this, but I'm going to side the other direction. Like, if it was top 24, I'd probably say yes, but uh, top 15, I can't see it. Um, yeah, it, it just it, it doesn't get there for me. But one of these weeks, John Brown's going to outscore Diggs. Yeah. It's going to happen. How about, how about some – Diggs is dominating. Yeah, how about, so I was going to say, how about some love for Stephon Diggs, bro? Like, Dude, it, it makes the Vikings just look so bad for not understanding how to utilize him and not being able to, because I mean, with Josh Allen, he just, he looks like a top five receiver in the NFL. Like everybody thought he was going to be. And I'm pissed because I traded him in all my dynasty (laughs) leagues back when he was a Viking. And now this shit, it's ridiculous. It's so frustrating, but hats off to him, man. I mean, he is a talent. Yeah. We've all been big fans of Stefan Diggs here. So there's nothing new to us here. We all expected greatness previously. So it's, ha- it's nice to see it happening now. Um, this guy was actually on the list last week for the opposite situation. So Aaron Rodgers scoring outside the top 15 quarterbacks. Can it happen again? Either one of you. It, yeah. it definitely can. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, this is offense. I mean, you can't think that he is super reliable going forward. That being said, he plays the Saints next week. And as we saw from Derek Carr, the Saints are beatable. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I I would say for next week, yeah, I'll put him in the top 15. Okay. So scoring outside the top 15, Josh, do you think he can fall that far again? If Devontae Adams is out, I think that Aaron Rodgers will also be outside of the top 15. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. The last one I have for can he do that again? Clyde Edwards Hilaire scoring outside the top 25 running backs. Can he do that again, Adam? I sure hope not. Man, talk about a Jekyll and Hyde kind of day. But uh, with, with them going up against the Ravens on Monday night, like that's going to be such a huge game. Ah, man. I'm, I'm going to say no. I think he definitely finishes inside the top 24, but I would not be surprised if this is definitely like a bottom half of that top 24 kind of week for him. I don't see him going off and having some gigantic performance. Yeah, that defense is the real fucking deal. Um, Josh, how do you feel about this one? You know, I I think I think that I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be inside. Okay. Yeah. I think he bounces back. Right. He's getting he's getting the opportunity. I, I'm hoping that the Ravens are just a tougher passing defense than a rushing defense. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel good about it too. We'll see how it plays out. That is a real deal defense, so it's not out of the equation that that's going to be a problem. Um, all right, let's bounce over to listener questions. We have a real Raiders-themed listener questions. I felt good that I wasn't the one pumping the Raiders onto the show. The listeners were. So shout out to the listeners who who know me so well that wanted to graciously make this a, an enjoyable episode for me. Um, so besides Jerry McKinnon, Beryl Joffrey yeah. asked us. Got it. <laughs> at Beryl Joffrey, our boy, said, who's the tight end one and why is it Darren Waller? Adam, how do you feel about this, man? 
he very well might be the tight end to while George Kittle's out. But Travis Kelsey, quietly, meanwhile, Darren Waller making ton of noise. Johnny Smith, ton of noise. Noah Fant, Tyler Higby, ton of noise. All those guys are top five, but who sits atop them? Travis Kelsey, as always, forever. Dude's a lock. <laughs> forever. Like, I mean, literally, go back over the last four years. He's the tight end one, tight end two, all the time. So for me, yeah, it's Travis Kelsey. But, I mean, Darren Waller is a must-start every week. You've got to feel phenomenal about him. I know we feel phenomenal because all of us were big Darren Waller guys this year. I own him in a bunch of leagues. So, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, he is that offense. Yeah, It's him and Josh Jacobs. That's that offense. And, you know, what Las Vegas has figured out is – that's how you win in the NFL. You just find guys that dominate and you just give them the ball until the defense can stop them. And if they can't, you just keep doing it. It's simple. And I'm shocked that John Gruden figured it out. But like, <laughs> I'll sit and I'll, I'll wax poetic a little bit because I, I was texting with Neil about it. Like, the Raiders are impressive. You have to, you have to admit, after the first two weeks of this season, you can see they've built an offense that Carr can actually run. Don't act like Carr's a good quarterback. We'll get to that in a minute. I know there's another <laughs> question coming up on him. But as far as building an offense around a quarterback and around your skill position players, they're doing that exactly how you want. And they are a funnel offense. So for fantasy, Waller and Josh Jacobs are huge smashes this year. Yeah, I, I appreciate the, the good words there, Adam. I mean, you're speaking so hot. You know, the Raiders, this is very uncharacteristic of you. It's frustrating. It is. I don't even like it, but it's true, man. You got to give credit where credit is due. Gruden has done a great job building that offense around his talent. Yeah, I do want to share this too. This little uh, Bill Belichick had an inter- you know, his little interview today, his press conference, because they're playing the Raiders this week. And he was asked, how good of a tight end is Darren Waller and how tough of a matchup? And this is Bill Belichick's response. And obviously, we know he talks up the opponents to make them feel good and and catch them sleeping a little bit. But this is what he said. He said, yeah, he's really, really tough. I think it's been such a long time since we've seen a guy like this. He's really got great receiver skills, played receiver. He's got a lot of length like a big receiver does, but he's got very good quickness and he blocks very competitively. He's not afraid to mix it up. So he does more than a receiver playing tight end but he's got all the skills that can come inside. He's a very good inside receiver, which sometimes the wideouts have trouble making that move in there. He's really been impressive to watch. We saw him last year, looked at him in the offseason, and you just see him doing everything, playing wide, playing the backfield, playing tight end, running deep, catch and run plays, blocking, flash plays, point of attack plays. So very versatile player, pretty unique guy in the league. There's some really good tight ends, but nobody really does more than this guy does, and he does it very well. He's got excellent hands and makes a lot of tough catches. He's definitely a matchup problem. Now, I know he talks this up. I know he does this to everybody. But I feel like there's value there in what he's saying. Like, it's legitimate, right? And uh, I just wanted to, you know, try to throw some more love to Darren Waller, man. Because you guys know I've been on it two, three years now, whenever the Raiders were bringing him on. And so I feel really good to see him having success like this. And his story, you know, his his struggles with drug abuse and all this kind of stuff, it just makes it even much that much more better. Um, so, yeah, man, shout out to Darren Waller. Shout out to Darren Waller. Josh, do you want to d- dispute Bill Belichick? No, not at all. Okay. Like I remember, I remember when people were so out on Darren Waller because of some Hunter Renfro splits or some crap like that at the <laughs> yeah. end of last year. And I, I was not in that group of people, and I'm not them now. 
Nice. Darren Waller is for real. He's for real. Next question at your boy Rich Jay Rich. What up, Jay Rich? He said, "When will the Derek Carr slander stop?" I feel that this question is best directed towards Adam because he's the only one here who really slanders Derek Carr. Uh, so have at this it. This is super simple. Okay, so what has happened here is John Gruden has built an offense around Derek Carr to thrive, and it is thriving from an NFL level. Derek Carr is not a, a good fantasy quarterback, and I can prove it. Through the first two weeks of this season, Derek Carr is QB 17. Last year, in all of 2019, what was Derek Carr? QB 17. In 2018, through the entirety of the year, what did he finish as? He finished QB 18, one off from that. This is what he is. I mean, he's not anything different. But what's great is they've built an offense that can actually thrive around him. So he's probably going to be a more reliable weekly starter, but he doesn't have he doesn't have a big ceiling. I just don't see it like from a fantasy perspective. For me, he's a QB two. He's a guy who has spot start potential, but ultimately, I mean, he is who I thought he was all along. He's an NFL journeyman who now has a system that's being built around him that's effective because they have great playmakers and they're just force feeding him the ball, which is fantastic. They keep doing that. He'll keep producing in the relative way that he has so far, which is as a high end QB two, which I think is essentially what he'll always be for fantasy. I'll tell you what, I'm taking all those Derek Carr points and Scott Fishbowl, all those nice, cheap Derek Carr points. Guy, Ooh, has- That's interesting. I'm looking up where he's in Scott Fishbowl through two weeks. Cause that's, that's a totally different format, and that uh, definitely makes things more interesting. Over seventy percent completion, over five hundred passing yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions this year so far. Over a hundred QB rating every single week. I mean, the guy is just doing it all, man. Like he's perfect for that setup, for, especially for Scott Fishbowl with zero interceptions. It's just it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing, Josh. Yeah, I know you 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 were feeling Derek Carr coming into the year, right? Yeah, listen, Derek Carr is just he's he's so crapped on. And the reality is he's in this gray area of sameness with, you know, 80% of the other quarterbacks in the league. And when Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs take off, they're going to drag him up. Like it's people just want to sell the story that Derek Carr is so bad when in reality, he's just like every other quarterback in the league, except for maybe four of them. Not to mention he threw a touchdown to Nelson Aguilar and then Zay Jones in week two. So, <laughs> you know, that takes some talent in itself. Uh, he, Aguilar didn't drop that ball. He didn't drop Derek Carr's footballs yet. So, you know, I'll take that as a, as a, as a positive. I really don't want to give uh, Adam any left more ammunition here to keep building the case against Carr. Um, so, Adam, do you have anything else to say before we move on? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, Let it go. he is who we thought he was. Let it go. He's a good quarterback. And if you're in Scott Fishbowl and you drafted him super late, congratulations for believing in the guy. And shout out to Jay Rich for the question. Shout out to everyone sending Raider questions. You guys are amazing. Um, at Austin underscore G underscore H. During the preseason, the Jaguars were protect- projected to be like the number one pick in the 2021 draft. After two weeks, who would you guys project to get it right now? Anyone stand out? Jets? Yeah, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Which is weird pretty, because, like, because you know, the quarterback is the main draw in the draft. I mean, are they going to move away from Sam Darnold for – 
Trevor Lawrence. I don't, you know, it's weird. I mean, they just need to move away from the coaching staff. But yeah, that is ultimately what will happen if they end up with the first overall pick. I mean, I think, you know, some other teams that are in contention. Uh, actually, man, who, who's even 0-2 right well, now? The Broncos. I mean, the Broncos probably, yeah. The Dolphins could do it. The Vikings. The, the Dolphins have a fail-safe because once they start to, uh, I think they start winning games. It'll happen eventually. So Bengals, Texans, they're both 0-2 as well, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the Giants maybe, like, the, you know, it, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of 0-2 teams, don't get me wrong, but there's not a lot that are worse than the Jets, that's for damn sure. So yeah. that, to me, is definitely the front runners, and it's, yeah, it's it's hilarious because Sam Darnold isn't bad. He's just stuck in no. the worst offense ever. Did you? And go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Did you see that play he made last week? Yeah, man, I, I definitely have the uh, the Braxton Berrios touchdown. Yeah. That thing's Filthy. insane. Filthy. I mean, he th- he throws a ball like a. It, it almost looks like a corner kick's taken in soccer. Like, it has beautiful spin on it. It arcs just perfectly right into his hands and, you know, does it after evading a sack and moving in the opposite direction. It's beautiful. But yeah. it's an Adam Gase offense. Yep. So Jets are our pick, Austin. Jets are our pick across the board. <laughs> uh, last one we had here from at Rupert Fiction, a fellow Raider fan as well. Over or under that the Raiders will outscore their opponents seven and a half more times this season. Um, the season over under is nine and a half. So do you guys feel like the Raiders will continue to outscore opponents here, man? Or you guys uh, think this will slow down some piece? I know Adam said the season was going to start off really rough. So far, they're two and zero. Oh. We'll see how this continues. You know, if they continue this hot streak or if they, you know, slowly deteriorate here. But are either of you confident enough to say over as this Raiders offense seems to be exploding? Or do you feel like this will come back down to earth as well? This question, this question's wording is just a really creative way to say wins. It's, yeah, basically. It's very interesting. <laughs> but nonetheless, like, yeah, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. My fear with the Raiders is that they got off to a really terrible start. Obviously, beating the Saints is gigantic for that. The next three weeks, they've got really tough matchups against the Patriots, the Bills, and the Chiefs. But after that, man, it it gets winnable. It gets really, really winnable for this team. I mean, with how they've played so far, you've got to think. I mean, on top of that, I think their bye is week six. So they get a bye after these tough three games. So even if they start two and three, then they get a bye week. They get to kind of, you know, figure things out again and – then they have an opportunity down the stretch. They have a lot of winnable games against teams that, as of now, they probably should beat. And looking at their schedule, man, I'm thinking 10 wins is definitely a possibility. Man, how crazy is it, Josh, that these guys... It's crazy. Listen, these guys, Josh, have Cam Newton, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes coming up the next three weeks. And this guy just shit all over Derek Carr, so I can't, you know... This is not going to look good quarterback wise. <laughs> what do you think? I, I think that in the next three weeks, they're going to win somehow, some way, one of these games. And then I think they're going to be like a nine win team. Damn. Adam, do you think they can win one of these games? Would you give that to them? I don't. I think they end up going two and three, but they, it wouldn't shock me. I, I mean, after they beat the Saints, that's, that's a pretty big win, even without Michael Thomas, which yeah. obviously changes things. But, it was a big win. I mean, we all saw it. They look great. And, you know, 
they obviously look great against Carolina, which is an inferior team in my opinion. But that being said, like they, they've looked great <laughs> through two weeks. There's not really a lot that you can say other than, you know, they look great, but they're about to play teams that look even better, if you yeah. will. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. We will see. And the last question I did have here, I got another bonus one here from Austin because he said it's not a victory lap. It's a serious question. Uh, but he said after facing the same Tampa Bay defense, DJ Moore has proven without a doubt that he is better than Michael Thomas, who struggled, obviously, against that defense in week one. Um, I know this is a question Josh likes to see, right? DJ Moore, man, what do you think here, man? I, I just I think that DJ Moore has cemented himself as a top a top 10 dynasty wide receiver and he he's coming so just just get ready <laughs> man I'll tell you what Drew Brees struggled against the Raiders man and I'm obviously not trying to give that credit to the Raiders like Michael Thomas not being there clearly mattered but like dude he was like missing targets left and right guys were, Emmanuel Sanders was dropping balls all over the place like I was super surprised like as a raider fan i'm obviously on the edge of my seat every second i'm thinking how can breeze not come back in this game you know what i mean and it was just like man it just didn't happen it was crazy to watch actually and it was kind of a weird stat they said that he's never came back from a 14 point deficit in the fourth quarter except one time yeah i was really surprised to see that i was like what as much as i ah, that's crazy as much as we hear about drew breeze that's a weird stat for him all right well, um, uh, like i i can't i can't i i feel like i'm letting austin down like in dynasty michael thomas Tyree Kill, DJ Moore. Wow. I mean, it's it's dumb, but it's the dumb thing you've been saying all year. So I'm glad that you're sticking to yeah. your guns. Maybe yeah. maybe we got to give DeAndre Hopkins some credit. Because... I mean, I was talking earlier that Robbie Anderson might have overtaken him, so I'm definitely not on board. But yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> classic, classic. All right. That's it, Austin. We appreciate the question. We appreciate Josh uh, sticking to his DJ Moore fandom. All right. Foul or no foul. Let's knock these out. I got three of them. We'll do show and tell after that, and then we're out of here. Foul or no foul. The NFL is right for levying almost 200, I mean, $2 million in mask fines in week two. Adam, foul or no foul? How do you feel about this, man? I'm opting out. <laughs> You're opting out. Yeah, the question. All right, you don't want to answer. I know my, <laughs> I know, I know my COVID guy here would love to answer this. Josh, our COVID correspondent. Yeah, like you, I think you set the rules and then you enforce the rules, and it's not like these guys were not informed of the rules. This is a fact. Like, let's just take the two million or whatever amount it is that we are fining them and give it to a good cause, and everybody wins. That money does go to charity, right? <laughs> I, have, I doubt it. That's I bet the, it goes to like owners getting richer. Yeah. But. I don't know if you guys seen the report speaking of COVID about like what the government did with like a billion dollars. We're not even going to go there. But uh, yeah, that's the only problem I have with it is where does that money go exactly? But other than that, you know, like you said, follow the rules, bro. Follow the rules. Um, next one I have here. I have actually one was sent in by Austin. Actually, Calvin Ridley has a significant chance to break into the top five or better for a single season receiving touchdown record. Foul or no foul, Adam? Oof, uh, you don't get to opt out of two of them. I don't think he has a chance. I'm trying to think like what the top five is. Because a single season record, that's Randy Moss was at 18. Might even be higher than that. Uh, no, 
it's definitely higher than that. Yeah, it's higher than that. Man, what you're yeah, slacking, I was you're off, slacking. But I, slacking. I haven't even gotten there, but now I'm like thinking back and I'm like, no, he had like almost two a game or he had more than two a game. But uh but yeah, I, I'll have it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, single season record for touchdowns is what? I should have had this in front of me actually. It is Randy Moss, I think, but I can't why can't I don't really have the number here? Let me see. Hold on. Randy Moss, I just 23. Think, I just 23. don't think that a Calvin Ridley type player is going to be the type that does that kind of a record. Well, let me let me give you the top five and how much they had. Randy Moss, 23. Jerry Rice, 22. Mark Clayton had 18. Sterling Sharp, who uh, Josh mentioned earlier, had 18. And Chris, <laughs> and Chris Carter was tied with a bunch of guys for 17. Um, so, I mean, that's where you're at. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, it's dope looking at this list because then Randy Moss shows up again twice with 17. Yeah. Jesus. Look at some of these <laughs> names, too. Braylon Edwards oh, is on here. That's awesome. Mushi Muhammad. Some interesting names on here. Yeah, I mean, he's already got four. So we're saying he would have to get 14 more through the stretch. Uh, I don't see it, but uh, I definitely could see 12 plus. I mean, he, he's, he's on a good pace. Yeah. Top if he even gets twelve, that puts him outside the top thirty-five, I believe. So, uh, you know, it's still an accomplishment though, nonetheless. Uh, he's doing great though, man. He's doing fantastic. I don't think it really matters if he breaks any kind of records. He's doing amazing. Um, good question though, and it's good to actually see some of these names. It's funny. Um, all right, the last one I have here: um, archaeologists found twenty-seven coffins in an ancient city of the dead beneath Saqqara, Egypt. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, the wooden coffins are perfectly sealed. They've remained undisturbed for 2,500 years since the bodies inside were mummified. Opening those caskets and work, what curse comes after feels like the scripted ending to 2020. Foul or no foul? <laughs> uh, that's a foul. This is cool, man. Come on. I didn't even know this was happening. I'm like Googling it right as you're talking about it. Listen, man, if you open those things, I have to believe that the end into 2020 is what's going to happen. It, 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 this feels like a movie. And the way everything's played out and these, these you know, coffins coming up here, you know, Egypt, a little cursed stuff. You don't open these things, Josh, right? Tell the man, you're I mean, a teacher, man. Tell him, Josh. We can only yeah, hope. I, like in today's day and age with all the technology we have with CAT scans and MRIs and like, why do you need to open it? Don't open it, Adam. Don't open it, Adam. I'm telling What's you. What's in the box? Listen, 2020, box? 2020 has been fucked. We do not have the, uh, we don't have the room right now to fuck around with opening caskets. Okay. So let's leave them Egyptian castle, those cursed caskets closed. We don't need nothing crazy happening. Mummy style out here. Um, but it's a pretty cool story for real. I like stories like that. Um, so yeah, which also, I mean, ancient city of the dead just sounds scary. Um, yeah, it's just crazy stuff over there, but it sounds awesome. So look into it, folks. I like to drop a little history in your ass. Um, all right, show and tell so we can wrap this show up. Man, we have we have crushed it, man. We covered a lot of stuff, man. Um, show and tell. Uh, do you guys have anything that you want to start off with? You want me to jump out here first or what? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in. You jump out. Uh, yeah, jump out. I got something recently that, I mean, it's nothing special, but it, it's not something that I would normally recommend. Uh, I got some lights from my apartment, uh, and they are called uh, Color Strip. Uh, essentially, what they are is they're uh, like remote control lights that essentially are just uh, M3 adhesive. And, you know, they're pretty um 
They're pretty dope. I don't know. I, they're pretty dope. Yeah, I mean they're they're nice. They're they're pretty bright. Uh, the biggest thing that I like about it is they're pretty like inconspicuous in the sense that like, I mean it's just it's just tape on whatever surface you're putting it on. But from afar, I mean they're white. My walls are white that they're on. You can't really notice them with uh, you know when they're not on, if you will. And then you know when they are on, they're they're pretty bright. You know they they do a good job. I was pretty happy with it. Um, but I have a complaint <laughs> that I have to voice somewhere, which is just the silliest thing in the world to me, which is, all right, so these lights were uh, packaged and advertised as 32 feet. When you receive it, it's two separate spools of 16 feet, and they don't come with a connector. <laughs> and it was the most infuriating thing. Technically, it is Especially, 32 feet, though. So. Well, uh, it was so i mean it's so dumb like you have to say that it's two separate pieces why would you not say that in the packaging but nonetheless uh what was funny is the only place that you can buy the connectors was on amazon and of course because it's amazon they're not going to ship you one little plastic connector that probably costs like less than a penny to manufacture and they sell for 50 cents no, you've got to buy an entire package of them. <laughs> so I had to spend like an extra eight bucks on a bunch of connectors that I'm never going to use. So in other words, to get one. In other words, if, if anyone's looking for connectors, hit up Adam. He's got yeah, those. seriously. But hey, those if lights. You need any LED light connectors? Just let me know. All you have to do is pay for the shipping and handling. Where where did you put those lights, man? Because you could put them behind a TV, behind a bookshelf, behind different things. Did you just lay them flat out against the wall? Like, what did you do? Yeah, no, I just lined one part of my ceiling. Okay. It, nothing nothing too fancy, but I, I like how it looks. And ultimately, it's a big living room. And I didn't like how it was being lit with just a lamp in here. Uh, and, I mean, they're, they're neat. They've got a bunch of different colors and the different, uh, like, amount of light they can emit. When they're at their brightest, they're pretty bright. They're, like, surprisingly bright. And obviously, they've got lots of settings. So, you know, you can dim it down and... I don't know. I, I like having something that's uh, you know more adjustable than just on off. Yeah. So uh, I'm happy with it. Hey Josh, this man's a uh, new apartment flexing over here. Just so you know, it's fancy. Are they, are they like around the outside of your living room? Is that what the deal is? Not the entire, just one wall. I, I I actually had them too. I actually used them to like line the back of like a shelf type of thing. So like the okay, shelf nice. behind the shelf, like you don't actually see the strips at all because they're adhe- mm-hmm. you know adhesive to the actual shelf itself. And so they just illuminate onto the wall behind it. And then I have yeah. that, the light bulb one, too, and a lamp, and that's controllable as well with all the different colors and stuff. Um, so, yeah, the podcast room has got that little flavor going, baby. So I know what, you, I know what, you're, what, you're, what you're doing over there, man. I know what you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of neat. This one has, like, a setting where it should play the music. It's not perfect, but it's neat. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's one of those things that, like, I like having something that's adjustable. Like it's frustrating to me. Like I said, just to have a light that just goes on or off. Like sometimes I like light that's dimmer. Sometimes, yeah. you know, I don't want a bright white light. I'd rather have something that was like another color that was more dim or, you know, fit whatever the atmosphere was. <laughs> whatnot. Yeah. But uh, really the, the, uh, the whole like music sync up feature to it is hilarious to me because <laughs> when it works it's super cool and then it just won't work right but you know that you get what you pay for yeah facts all right cool so i wasn't expecting that man I, I that was a good one uh josh what do you have to to battle with these lights over here man 
So, okay, so a very different tone. Uh, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and, and that's super sad. But what's even sadder is that we're going to jam in some some justice that is going to be a pawn and overturning Roe v. Wade, and that's going to put us back into the Stone Age. Like, we, we can't let this happen, folks. So what do you want us to do, Josh? You want us to vote? Like... Want us to do? You want us to hit the streets? You don't. You don't vote for the Supreme Court. No, I'm guys. saying like, what do you want us to do? Well, like, like, if do you... if they do this, if they put some some guy in there just because he will vote against the next the next Roe v. Wade type case that he gets a chance, like we we got to really make some change happen. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. This is not Saudi Arabia, people. Yeah, politics are screwed up right now. And things are not pretty. And some of these things are like Adam just kind of said out of our control in a sense, sort of, kind of, in a way. Not really, because, you know, theoretically we controlled this to happen. But, uh, yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks. It's horrible. And I did see, like, stuff that she was trying to, like, hang on as, as much as one could, I guess you could say. But I know it was out of her control. But, like, she wanted yeah. to live to pass this so bad. You know what I'm saying? So it sucks from that. They're, they're absolutely going to push somebody through and get him in. And I'm sure that the agenda will be just just like I just said. You know, it's that they've made the point clear that they, they want someone who would vote against Roe v. Wade so that women will not have control over medical decisions that impact their bodies you know yeah because that that's totally normal and and the way things ought to be in 2020 it's ridiculous it is yeah she did fantastic stuff her work was fantastic so it's one of those uh sucky ass moments of history so we'll see how it plays out man i, I i'm not as politically uh i'm not politically i don't know what you want to call it I don't, i'm not ed- well educated in politics i don't know what the counter to this is going to be but i imagine if somebody else comes into power after trump that they're going to do something to alter some of these things. I know they can't change that person that he puts into power, but like they're going to do a bunch of weird stuff. So it's going to get crazy, man. It's going to get crazy. They've talked about adding seats to the Supreme court. That's been brought up, but I I don't know. I like, I'm just hoping that we get kind of a moderate, a moderate nomination that will not set us back. (laughs) Yeah, it seems ridiculous to think we're even having this conversation, honestly. Um, All right. So lights, politics. um, I'll end this with the idea, the message of giving people their flowers while they're still here, living every day like it's your last. I know the saying and the mentality is kind of like old and it's, I don't know, it still rings true. But the the reason I bring it up is uh, because a member of the fantasy community passed away recently, unexpected James uh, Cotillis, who may know as James the Brain on Twitter. And it was just, it kind of hit me. I was like, damn, like, not many people I know on Twitter have, like, died, I guess. And I know it's kind of common, but, like, not a lot of people that I I speak to or, you know, are, are, are what I consider, like, you know, people I talk to, I've talked to more than a couple of times or they support what I do or they've showed love in any kind of way. So, like, to see that happen sucked. And I, and, I, and I thought, like, you know, this is a guy, he's actually in the Clock Dodgers Eliminator League. He's been on the podcast. Josh, remember when we did the rookie episode? Um, we had James... Um, sending a player um so you know and, and you know he's a guy who's also supported clock dodgers like behind the scenes like in group chats that i was not a part of so like that's the kind of guy he was and like all the love and outpouring everyone's given him like it's beautiful to see but whenever, whenever this happens like i can't help but be sad from the fact that i'm like man did this person know that people 
you know, respected them and appreciated them and like loved them as much as they did. So like it always hits, you know, close to home when stuff like that happens unexpectedly. Now, when people are older and stuff like, you know, we all expect that at some point, but just out the blue bomb just happens. Like it always makes you think, damn, like that short notice, man, that sucks. You know what I mean? So just if you can, you know, keep, keep, keep his family in your prayers, but also just like show people love, call someone, tell them you love them, tell someone you appreciate them, you respect their work, you respect what they do, whatever it is. Like never let up on that shit because you never know when someone you think is going to be there isn't there no more. Um, it even happened to me recently. Like I, I don't get calls from like a certain aunt very much in my, in my family. But then when I do, I think like something bad happened like to my mom or whatever. You know what I mean? So like my, my aunt recently called my phone. I'm like, oh, fuck. Something happened to my mom, bro. She probably died. Like I got scared as fuck. Like I was like, fuck, man. And then in reality, she was just like at yoga and forgot her phone and needed my brother to pick her up. So, but like those kind of moments, I'm like, shit, did she know I loved her as much as I loved her? You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit happens. So like, I, I hate that moments like these are what reminds me, but I just want people to kind of put that out there and just, cause I need that reminder. So hopefully it helps somebody tomorrow. Just tell somebody, you know what I mean? You respect them, appreciate them, love them, whatever it is. Um, and that's my message, but shout out to James and uh, everyone who, uh, you know, is missing him now. Yeah, I mean, no, just just to echo what you said, you know, it it's hard to ever lose a member of, you know, what we do call like the Clock Dodgers family, right. which is really like anyone who listens to us, supports us, contributes. I mean, it 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 shakes the fantasy community, and it's it's kind of neat in a way. I mean, as sad as it is to see how the community responds when someone does pass away, like it's obvious to see the impact and. Like you were saying, obviously, you know, the idea of giving them your flowers while you're still here and showing praise while you're still here is something that we definitely try and do on this podcast. And I think that more than anything, you know, it also is humbling for myself to kind of look at the times that people have given me that praise and, and how that feels and how it feels to be a part of the community and, you know, to have our niche and our part and uh yeah to to just really appreciate your own value as well uh while while you know you're around participating right yeah that's that, that's true too yeah man it's crazy it's crazy stuff man i tweeted at that guy so many times just to talk james winston shit yeah that's sad yeah, that kind of shit. Like, I never, I never, I don't know, man. You just never think about it, like, with people. Like, you're just like, you don't ever think, like, oh, this person's going to die tomorrow or this person could be gone tomorrow. Like, it just doesn't cross our minds that shit happens. So, it's shitty. But, um, you know, he left a good mark and an impact, and that's all that matters, right? And it just, we'll just carry that on through all of us. Um, all right, guys. Other than that, week three is upcoming. Week three is upcoming. We hope we supplied you with a lot of information, advice, and all that good stuff. If you have any questions, for week three, start, sit, anything you want to hear next week, anything you're concerned about that we didn't cover, you can find Josh. That's the only person you need to contact. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can find Josh on Twitter at JC Crocker. You can find Adam at the other FF guy. You can find me at Clock Dodgers. And uh, we're here for y'all, man. We love interacting with you guys. So if you guys have anything we missed here or just have a question following up on this conversation or uh, anything like that, Josh, you'll follow up on whoever won the Jerick McKinnon uh, contest. We're at, we're at 10. 10 is the official count. Well, I guess that made 11 right there. Yeah. Hopefully I just pushed somebody off right right like that. I don't know. We'll see. Should I just, I feel like I should just say his name a bunch of times right now. Just like run it up. But I don't really know. I don't know. I didn't want to see. Problem. I mean, you don't know where the bets are. So yeah. It's not like you have a person yeah. to favor. Yeah. I didn't want to see any of that stuff. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, guys, get Jerry McKinnon in your lineups. Week three, it's happening again. Um, but yeah, other than that, we appreciate you guys for listening. 
If you haven't subscribed, hit subscribe. If this is your first time ever listening, hey, we love you, man. Just hit subscribe. We want to see you back. We want to see you back. If you haven't left a review, we love it. If you do, we're over 100 reviews. Every single one of them means something to us. We love them. Whatever you guys say in there, we like to share on the show. Um, So show us some love there. Other than that, listen, guys, we love you. As always, be kind, be great. Keep that, keep that, keep that.